morning, beautiful people, and welcome to the show. Hello folks, welcome to The Beeswax. My name is Balasa, and I am your gracious host. Welcome, and yeah, how is everyone doing? I hope that you had a great weekend. I hope that you an opportunity to enjoy the sun on Saturday, okay, which was my birthday, hi, uh, turning 29, or turned 29, I'm in my 29s now, um, and I had a really great time, and I was surrounded by some really awesome people, today I have in store for you a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful episode that I recorded with my cousin, uh, her name is Ntabiseng Selape. Tabby and I were raised side by side. We grew up very much like sisters slash cousins as well. And you'll notice even when we talk in the interview, we reference the way that we were raised to some capacity. Um, there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this who might know, know, know us. So uh, buckle in if you're those folks. <laughs> but if you don't know, know, know us, also buckle in because it's a really great conversation around healing, really trying to, you know, get... Um, our brains working and ourselves um, around what healing looks like for us and what healing um, yeah has been whether it's been demonstrated to us or not and etc 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 so before I carried away here Ntabi Seng Salepe is currently a lawyer okay she be in law she's a baddie like that okay but outside of that she really has a big passion for restorative and retribution justice she's very very epic she takes no nonsense and here goes enjoy we're here to talk about healing um and we'll talk about healing in whatever way that looks like i didn't really have like a plan or a <coughs> or a structure um so whatever comes up for you i mean i'm curious to know what happened when you were listening to the podcast that made you feel like you wanted to be on it um, I think it's more of like, I just like the synergies of podcasts and like, I think like, I just like the space of podcasts, the intimacy that it provides. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the conversational flow of it all. Um, yeah. And I think it just, I think more than anything, what was more of my inspiration was that we were having that last time when honestly really really enjoyed that conversation between the three of us i can't even remember like the content anymore i just remember enjoying it so much like okay cool this is you know something that i'd be interested in and um another thing is i've actually been like i don't funny enough i don't really listen to podcasts that often yeah but there's this show on netflix it's like some animated show. I can't remember. It's like Midnight Gospel, Midnight Gospel. Yes. And I love animation. I will always tune into animation. And it's it, it's a cool concept. Like it's animation, random shit's happening, but they're talking about really interesting things. And I'm like, cool. I like that. I wouldn't mind being a part of that, you know? So. Mm. The Midnight Gospel... I still need to go back and watch it um, under other circumstances, we'll say. Um, what circumstances were you watching it 
in no, December. I actually watched it, and I think the first time I watched the Night Gospel, it was under the same extenuating circumstances. Mm-hmm. In December, I rewatched it, and I was completely sober. Well, I was in my sober senses, insofar as I didn't have any like extenuating circumstances. Yeah, inebriation of any kind. But I was also really, really, really depressed. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that can also drunk you in one way or another but it, it's actually one of those things where you can watch it over and over because you're gonna miss some things you know you're not gonna be yeah. tuned in all the time you're gonna miss some things and I like that I like that kind of content where you can go back and pick up on things that you didn't pick up on initially and pick up yeah. on them like oh okay cool that's that's cool and like find a new favorite episode each time you watch it exactly i don't know if i um i think it's the only show that i really feel like yeah vela i want to go and rewatch it i'm not usually that type of person like i even noticed mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even in my like healing journey and the process, like, you know, they talk a lot about journaling and actually writing and writing your feelings down and like, you know, how that's a really good intimate relationship with your thoughts, with the things that you're feeling as well to write them versus like typing them out. Um, and I don't really review my things that I've written. Like, um, yeah. I got tired of writing on my notes when I had ideas. So I just started voice recording myself. I probably have like mm. 300 and something voice recordings. How many of them have I asked, have I listened back to? Like a hundred, mm. maybe, you know? And like, I, I've had to really push myself to get back to reviewing, to reviewing. So I think that that's so cool that you were able to do that with this um, uh, podcast, right? Mm. And I wonder how we can get that like, um curiosity and like hunger for new information when it comes to healing and when it comes to like even identifying what a healing is gonna look like yeah and like at what stage do you go back and reflect is it after you've healed whatever that mm-hmm. may look like or is it in the process of healing and like when does healing when does it start and when does it end Right. Because it's not like life gives you a chance to be like, oh, okay, when you were 16, this incident happened to you and you've healed and you're 20 now and you've healed and we're going to give you four years to heal from this. No, two months after whatever happened to you when you were 16, something else is going to shake you up. And you're like, so that's, I think, like, it's just so many things and I think healing is one of those things that us mentioned quite often lately you know and sometimes almost as like a a gotcha gotcha moment thing like oh you know but like what the hell does that even mean what does it look like what uh, um how do you heal how because I feel like healing also comes with a lot of reinvention Mm. and how do you know you're even equipped with those skills how do you know that you've healed from something what if you've just buried it deep inside and you just stop thinking about it and therefore it stops hurting and then and if you're triggered by something does it mean mean that you haven't healed mm-hmm. like at what stage do you like gauge if you've healed from something you know what I mean yeah um and I, what I found is that like as you get older it becomes really harder to kind of do the work you know what I mean I think when I was younger was I was doing the work without even realizing I was doing the work I started journaling at the age of eight 
Um, and I've had a diary since I was eight up until I finished high school. Mm. And I don't know what happened in varsity. And I just, I struggle to write now, you know, and I, I used to love writing mm. and go back and read. And, but then there was also like a bit of shame attached to it because you go back and you, re you read and it's like, there's a common theme that runs in your sadness or in your life or whatever. And I don't know, you just kind of have that shame. Like, oh, I feel like going back and reviewing my work is like invading my own privacy in some way, mm. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I don't want to read this. No, yeah. God, this is, this is not for me, you know? And yeah. That's so yeah. fascinating because I feel every single thing that you've said. And I think that when you said, you know, reinvention, I think healing is very much a personal reinvention, right? Mm. Like in your healing process, it's not something that you're going to see outwardly a lot of the times, right? If I've been drinking from this water bottle, right? When I was from six to 16, I mean, it's a, I mean, sorry, from six to 26, it's a, I probably shouldn't have done that, but if I'm drinking out of the same water bottle, right, this water and the water bottle might not have changed, but I've changed on the mm. inside, right? And I feel like that's what healing is like for me. It's very much like a personal reinvention. So I have to set myself up and it's been a long time thing. And you know me, obviously, right? Because we're cousins, we grew up kind mm. of side by side. Um, you know, I've, I was always into psychology. I was always into like all of this kind of stuff, you know, and I was always inquisitive yeah. about myself. And I feel like, you know, you were also very inquisitive about yourself as well. And like, I was- But in very different ways. Like we exactly. just had our own thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And so, you know, I feel like for me, healing has been what I learned in psychology, right? You use tests, you use testing, you use benchmarking as well, right? I might not be doing it with clients, but I definitely do it with myself. I create mm. these tools for myself to say, okay, well, I, I know that on this day, I'm feeling this thing, right? Or like this experience happened to me, right? right. How do I know that I have moved from that place to a different place? I didn't know mm. how to gauge that. So I just created a thing. I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe if I can, um, you know, think about it and not feel as um, really involved and in that place again, then I will feel like I've made some headway. Mm. And indeed, right, I went right. back with myself and that feeling kind of came, right? And sometimes mm. the feeling comes before you say, this is what I'm going to use to benchmark it. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it's a constant interplay, like, the 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 like the chicken and the egg kind of thing like what comes first the healing yeah. or the thing that you've healed yeah definitely yeah that's how I feel I'm like oh okay cool like how do you benchmark when you healed you know mm -hmm. and it's like and I, I I like what you're saying you use benchmarks and stuff and I think maybe a benchmark in that way is kind of like okay cool uh, for whatever reason seeing a red spade used to trigger you and one day you see a red spade and you acknowledge like, hey, that spade's red, that, that spade, spade is red. And I'm not shaking, I'm not trembling, I'm not in tears. I'm, I simply acknowledge that, that that's a spade, it happens to be red. And you, you kind of, when you realize that your triggers aren't triggering you anymore, there's like that weight lifted off your shoulders. So you're like, okay, cool. I'm, I've healed or I've come a long way, mm -hmm. but that 
incident or whatever that trauma is. But I think what I'm like most fascinated on or like what I'm trying to kind of work on the most is that really like foundational like trauma. You know what I mean? Like Mm. that kind of trauma where you're like, you see it in the way that you interact with people or in the way that you react to things. So you may have healed from a certain instant, but what do you do with that like integral and like you know ingrained trauma? How do you heal from that? Things that you didn't even know had traumatized you. You don't even know why you become the way you are or what is it that's led to that. So I think that that's that, you know, and I think that growing up in the way that we grew up and, you know, we, we grew up quite close knit and yeah. I think we saw trauma from both sides of our own families. Like, damn, okay, your dad fucked up. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, but your dad fucked up too. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like it, it's just, it's that kind of thing. And you're like, certain things you don't even realize how much it's affected you until you get older and you're like, fuck (laughs) why the hell did I just react like that like where was that coming from you know and I think that's more of my quest right now like almost unsurfacing that trauma so I can heal from it and again like that chicken and egg Mm. but it's also like opening Pandora's box like are you ready for that you know and I've often heard like well not often heard but it's been suggested to me that I should do like cognitive behavioral therapy you know and I just haven't had the opportunity to do it and I'm really keen because one thing about me I don't really have any shame or attach any kind of shame to mental health mm-hmm. I think I've kind of struggled with my mental health since a very young age and one thing I do really like about myself is my sense of knowledge of myself like my Mm -hmm. sense of being like even as a kid I was very like aware of who I am and comfortable in who I am and Mm -hmm. it's just the older you get that people start projecting certain things on you that you kind of start feeling like insecure like oh damn maybe I shouldn't be this confident or I shouldn't you know say or I shouldn't talk like or uh, 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 uh," like trying to fit in but you just kind of come to a point where you pull yourself towards yourself and you find yourself again and it's like okay cool so now there there are these steps that I can take you can do this cognitive behavioral therapy but mm-hmm. who's to say that that doesn't now open Pandora's box and then exactly oh shit here goes a healing again you know what I mean <laughs> um so yeah it's it's tough I, I find like growing up to be a bit repetitive kind of mm-hmm um sometimes hard well not sometimes a lot a lot of the times it's hard um but also like I'm just trying to move to a point in life where I'm not like living just for the sake of living like I'm actually enjoying yeah I mean and I think that there's so much healing that needs to take place and another thing is also what one thing I know that I need to learn is I kind of like knowing when some shit is just really not my shit, you know, like, like this is really someone else's problem and exactly. this is someone else projecting. And I, I mean, it's all fine and well for me to be saying these things, but I know it, like theoretically, I know it, but like in practice, I'm like, Mazi, let's go. You know, like it's, it's, it's hard to not be as reactive to that kind of stuff. And I just, 
I really feel like that in and of itself, like the way that I react to things is a trauma response. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I need to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, like what trauma did I experience? Why is it the word that, you know what I mean? And, yeah. I mean, I, I think I have some sort of idea where it stems from, but I think there's a deep underlying thing to it, you know? And Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've actually even considered hypnotherapy as a form of healing. I'm really interested in hypnotherapy. I'm looking for a hypnotherapist. Mm-hmm. I just am really, really cautious of yeah. how vulnerable it'll leave me when I like come back to consciousness like no wonder my brain hit that shit away (laughs) (laughs) but that's the thing right and like you know this is why when people are you know looking for healing or they want the you know awakenings and the spiritual this and the spiritual that right and 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 you know because the way we also see it is very like very much in its capitalistic form because we see everything as commodities or at least everything is sold to us as a commodity and so even right. is sold as a commodity right drink this mm. water do this thing right it's something that you can consume where you're not actively doing the work but really what healing is is that work it's saying okay well I feel like there's a Pandora's box in there noticing there's a Pandora's box and then being like I want to open it I know how to open it. I feel like I'm ready to open it, but I am so scared to open it. Like it is unbearable, right? Because that's the process. That's actually getting yourself there, right? And I think that um, when we become aware sometimes and we almost like condition ourselves to do certain things, like when you're searching for specific things, um, for example, when I got braces, in when I was a kid um I'd Mm. never really seen a lot of people with braces before but the moment Mm. I got braces I felt like every other person had braces right it was so much more in my uh, uh conscious it wasn't just resting in the subconscious anymore it was coming all the way forward, right? And so I feel like with these Pandora box situations, that's what it's going to do, right? It's not going to be in the back of your mind anymore. It's going to be right up front. And that's going to be what is kind of there when you're looking at life, when you're dealing with your day-to-day. And it's about, you know, I don't want to say being ready for that because ready might mean for some people, you know, it has to be the right time or the things have to align or it has to be this. And so you're passive, it's very much an active thing. Like you have to push yourself towards healing just as much as the resistance and the fear is going to push you back. And I think right. it's that middle ground, that relationship that I'm so fascinated by is like the process of it all, you know, like, like what you're saying during cognitive behavioral theory and psychology, they taught you some of the techniques and kind of the theory behind CBT. Right. And a lot of it is in conditioning. A lot of it is in reconditioning. That's where this idea right. of unlearning things and relearning mm-hmm. things comes mm-hmm. from, right. Is that your brain has that malleable tendency to say, I can learn things. I can relearn how to do specific things and I can forget them as well. That's why we can suppress things. So, so well, right. Sometimes yeah. the trigger comes up and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? Yeah. Where did that even yeah. come from? Right. And so it's so fascinating for me to try in my life coach work to like do my own healing and then also try to be some kind of representation, um, space, accountability, partner, you know, person that they can count on to be there 
when they are doing this, when they are opening that Pandora's box, right? Within specific mm. margins, right? Because I'm not a registered therapist and I don't, and I don't say that I'm a registered therapist, right? But there's things that I can do in the life coaching aspect that would help people kind of figure out, hey, maybe I do need therapy, right? Or maybe I can do this mm. side by side. Because a lot of life coaching and therapy, you can do in tandem, right? Because they serve different right, things right. for you. A life they coaching, serve different purposes. Exactly. Exactly. So healing is almost like you can go to gym, but you can also do yoga. Um, They both kind of fitness in one way or another, but you can do the two. And by go to gym, you mean like lift weights, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lift weights, squat and be like on your buff boy shit. Yeah. Because you can do yoga at the gym. That's all I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like lifting, cardio, you know, like. Uh, pumping iron that kind of thing and you can also or you can do yoga and pilates i I think not a lot of people do that because they kind of overlap in some aspects but you can you can you can and if you're doing the you know traditional yoga then it doesn't even have to incorporate your full body movement right yeah it's the breathing yeah it's the attention it's, you know, it's very inward. It is that inner work. Like, wow, when I started meditating, I think when I, oh, so I'd like to know when you, um, when you started to actively seek things and use things to jumpstart, in quotation marks, jumpstart your healing, right? So for me, for example, <clears throat> excuse me, that was um, meditating. Yeah. Right. I didn't, we didn't really grow up around like meditating or like really any other religions outside of like Christianity. Yeah. And then we saw other religions from our peripherals. But when I started meditating, wow, 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 wow. I was scared. Yeah. <laughs> I was so scared. I was not expecting you to say you were scared. <laughs> I, I was, thought you were, I was so enlightened. Scared is not <laughs> what I expected to hear. <laughs> No. Okay. You were scared. What were you scared of? I was so scared. I was scared because, and you know, you know, there was anxiety and then there was like the silence that you experience, right? It's not really silence. Like your, like your mind isn't operating. It's just silence. Like you're not paying attention to it in, 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 in order to fulfill its desires as the thought or the inclination, right? You're just there. But what kept coming up for me was like the traumas. That's what in the silences was coming up for me. And so when I was trying to, you know, be in that quiet time, you know, um, I wouldn't be worried about like day-to-day things, but then like the trauma things or like some flashbacks um, would occur. And I'm just like, and I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to play music. I need music. (laughs) Yeah. I need music. I need something to fill that space because no, 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 no. That's not, that's not how it's going to go down. So meditating for a very long time was that. It was just this like overwhelming, like, oh, this very noise um, of all of these other things that I didn't even think I would have to be uh, contending with during meditating. I thought I would have to stop thinking about food or what I'm going to do or like, you know, the day-to-day thing my homework right. and stuff like that it was a complete other ball game and so I think mm. that when we're doing the inner work and we're really diving in right we use a lot of tools and we access a lot of tools as well but I think mm. for me that was the first tool in quotation marks outside of like um religion and church because I 
I didn't choose those. That was just something that I was mm. doing. And then I had oh, the God, no. later. We definitely didn't choose that. There was no choice involved in that being at church for five hours of your day. No, no choice was involved there at all. I know I was there. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and I feel like that was the first thing for me. But do you have a do you have a first thing? Do you have a first time you remember uh, trying to access like a tool or something like that? Definitely. Like, like I said, I've been journaling my whole life. And like mm. it comes from as a kid, I was super obsessed with Usebe, you know, your sister. Yeah. And I just followed her everywhere. And I think by the time I was eight, she was like, what, 16? So she was in that phase, like, dear diary. Mm. Oh, diary, my cousins and my sisters are so annoying. And I was like, shit, that's cool. I want to do that too, you know? And I got like the exact same, I I should show it to you because we'll say we had the exact same. You diary. still have it? I, I still have it. Let me get it. Let me get it. And wow. like, and these are like my things that stayed back at home at my mama's house in springs but with our recent move i just kind of took everything of mine i can't find all of my diaries but i can find my very first one <laughs> and here it is that is, and that's exactly the one i was thinking about with the key yeah this was my very first diary and i have a few more like i have like three four more um and yeah wow. I journaled like I think my first kind of my first entries were me being an eight-year-old trying to be a 16-year-old talking about oh my god today this boy touched my armpit and like we're having a child <laughs> and it was dumb things right but I think like, it was it became one of those things where it's like it, it got conditioned to me mm. I would home and I would write in my diary every night like even if it was stupid stuff I'd come home and I'd write in my diary and the older I got the more it became my safe space and I wrote mm-hmm. like things I was like you know what actually like I was seeing this guy I'm 14 now um I have like emotions and I like boys and I like girls and I like people and I'm you know romantically interested in people and this person broke my goddamn heart diary you know mm-hmm. and that was my first outlet and and then you know and I think I think for me high school was such a difficult time and also such a good time for me to kind of discover who I was and I think that's where I really solidified in in a lot of my coping mechanisms and I didn't even realize that there were coping mechanisms I didn't realize that and I look back now sometimes I'm like damn that 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 hung you what the fuck was up you know what I mean and yeah um, there are certain privileges that I had back then that I obviously don't have now like I I remember sometimes I'd be really down and I didn't know it then but I understand now that it was like a depressive episode it was a manic episode or whatever kind of episode I was having at the time because you know I got misdiagnosed so many times Mm. in those years you know but Either way, I remember sometimes I'd get to school, I wouldn't want to talk to anyone. No one pissed me off. I just, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't feel like talking to anyone. And then, you know, it went from me writing in my diary to me sometimes taking a break from my phone. I would just one Sunday switch off my phone, tell my mom in the morning on Monday. It's it's, it's nice when you're in high school because you have like such a sh- easy schedule, like yeah. you're in school for seven hours or whatever hours of the day. And then 
on a certain day you'll have you know your soccer practice and another day you have netball another day you have public speaking or whatever but it's not really hard for your life to go on without a phone yeah and some Sundays I would switch off my phone and I wouldn't have a phone for a whole week and I can't tell you like the amount of peace that brought to me Mm. you know what I mean and that disengaging and I still do that now in my age I think when I really am going through a lot like now going through a breakup I deleted social media because I'm like I'm gonna go on a rant (laughs) or I'm just gonna eat like I'm just gonna go too hard or I'm gonna Mm -hmm. I'm gonna instead of taking time off and kind of like sit in my feelings I'm gonna distract myself with social media um and that's my way of disengaging and I think I realized that writing and disengaging were my coping mechanisms back in high school and they also evolved like I know there were times where I'll get fucking triggered like oh I don't know if I can swear um but I'll get like 20 times already so (laughs) (laughs) sometimes shit will happen where I'm like I'm going about my business, having a good time with drinking. I, I, I'll give you an example. There was this time we were watching movies. Sen and I were watching movies and we were still in K-Town. And we watched that movie, Hereditary. Hereditary. It's it's kind of messed up. You know, it's a messed up movie. Um, But it was a good time with drinking and whatnot. And I just, the end of the movie triggered me in such a like, what, you know, like, I was so mind blown. The image that came to my mind, it was the very first time that image had ever entered my mind. Mm. And it was so real. And I I really can't tell you what it was about that scene because there was nothing in that scene that related to the image that came to my mind. But mm. there clearly was something about it that triggered me. And I, I literally puked immediately. I puked and wow. I was crying and I was shaking and you know I just I didn't want to be held and I was like no 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 and I got up and I went and I wrote a poem Mm -hmm. and that's I think that's another thing that I do when I'm like really overwhelmed where I'm like I can't actually articulate and journal and be like okay I feel like that I just write a poem and any any time my poems any of the poems that I've written they're fucking sad Mm because I'm really going through things and I don't know how to articulate it and I'm just gonna articulate it in this kind of words strung together. And I like poetry because it has rules, but no rules, you know what mm. I mean? And sometimes with my writing, even though I'm writing in my journal, I'm like, gotta, I'm writing a thesis, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of explaining <laughs> myself. And I'm like, oh no, that's not the right word. What word, you know what I mean? So really journaling really was my first coping mechanism. I only got into meditation like probably towards early varsity. And it was because I was struggling to sleep. So I learned a meditation, um, like uh, meditation to sleep, to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And I still use it because you know me, I struggle to sleep. I've always struggled to sleep. I sleep yeah. very late. Um, and it, yeah, that's that. And I'm like, are, are these things that are helping me with the healing or they're helping with the coping? And is coping part of healing or am I just coping? You know, am I, is, yeah. am I, can it be capped at you're just coping, you know, and I, I, I don't want to just cope. I want mm-hmm. to heal. And so that, you know what I mean? So that's why I sometimes this word of like coping mechanisms, I get it. Like, yes, we need to cope, but like, what are the, are these healing mechanisms? Are we, 
are we oh, coping cannot be the end point surely you know what i mean you don't coping just want to oh, yeah coping is in the end point but coping says you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel right coping says um uh for me the way that i think of coping mechanisms is the same way that i think of like um filling a uh, oh i'm gonna use this bottle of water clearly today it wants to speak to me it's like filling this <laughs> bottle of water i mean uh um this meal right yeah it's like um um journaling right it's like um when i am in front of a group of people and I'm going to talk about something that I'm passionate about. I don't need to write all these lists, right? I don't need to have a new way to do it, to signify that um, I am healed or like I'm, 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 I'm an expert at this, right? For me, I feel like that's kind of, that's kind of the, 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 the relationship that comes to mind is like, are you still a, what is a new person called again? Are you still a, um, are you still like a beginner right no. because that's coping right coping is you're in the beginning of it you're still in this I'm moment beginning. where you know you're coping but you're not huh? what are you laughing at oh i'm just laughing at my silliness you're like what's a new person as like an infant <laughs> i didn't even hear you um you know so like you know you're either a beginner so are you a beginner or you're yeah. an expert? a beginner or an expert and we're always trying to become the expert right but then right we, but then we like oh beginner is how whatever you know throw it away beginner is trash i don't want to just be stuck at the beginner stage but remember right who is saying what is a beginner and what is an expert who is making that decision Mm. who is the one who's saying the definition for beginner is this thing the definition for beginner is you know you're saying that you're journaling you're saying that you know all of these tools that you're using are your defense mechanisms right you're the one who's yeah. telling them that what if you call them your healing what if yeah. for a month or for a year you called your defense mechanisms your healing your oh. healing tools Coping, 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 coping. I mean, mechanisms. sorry, sorry, sorry. Your coping mechanisms. <laughs> yeah, um, I hear you though. You know, your coping mechanisms in that way. So, and then obviously it's also a nuanced um, thing, right? It's not like, okay, well, if your coping mechanism is to drink and to numb yourself, right? Then, you know, for a year, just call that healing. And then you're just going to be like drinking forever. <laughs> And I, ooh, girl, I'm drying some of this water. <laughs> uh, you know, and so, and I'm even here dragging myself. Don't worry, I'm dragging myself too, right? Yeah, um, definitely. And that's why I even stopped drinking, right? I don't drink anymore. Oh, um, wow. how long has that been? It's been like four or five months or so. I think um, I'm heading that way as well, so... You know, and I feel like, I feel like for me, that was my healing. It's like, I was able to notice that, you know, when I'm, when I drink, I get super angry. Right. And I mm. don't think it's because like, um, the environment around me makes me angry. I think that when I used to drink and get drunk, that was the threshold that was required to lower all of my inhibitions so that my anger can actually feel expressed. Right. And feel like it can come up. Right. But then 
I was also starting to black out. So then I was missing mm. out on actually that healing component of expressing the anger. I was missing that completely because I was blacked out, right? Mm. I want to remember what was happening in that time. The same way where, you know, if I was hurting somebody in that time, I wouldn't have known because I don't remember, mm. right? And I don't mm. want to not remember. I hated not remembering the things that happened mm. to me. I hated people saying, oh, you remember you were like this last night? And I was like, what? right? I clocked out six hours before the party was finished, but my body was physically engaging with people. Apparently, I'm very coherent when I'm drunk. I can continue a conversation for years when I'm drunk, mm. right? And so it's like, okay, cool. So I'm capable of doing that when I am drunk, but I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. I want to be participating in the anger because clearly there's something about this anger that wants to come out. It wants to confront yeah. me, but I want to yeah. confront Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I completely resonate with what you're saying with the alcohol. And I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because I've actually been experiencing that a lot last year and this year and I think there was just so much shame attached to it that I was like yeah yeah I'm not gonna talk about it you know because like firstly I already have a bit of an anger issue like I have a timber mm. um and it takes very little and I think that's another thing where I'm like where the fuck is this coming from like what the hell dude like and the older I get the more I see it you know and mm. like actually if like I even recall back on and think like even with my younger siblings especially like Kupile like he also kind of had like an anger issue from a very young age like where is that stemming from like what what and like I'm sorry mama sorry to my dad but I'm starting you know the most logical explanation is that like it starts from home what is it that we're experiencing at home that has like this over I would say that it's just my sister who doesn't and maybe she does have the anger maybe she just doesn't manifest it like the rest of us you know where the rest of us are like ready to chuck up the deuces she's like you know um but I've also been experiencing that where I drink and I like just go into a fucking flying rouge and like like I'm present but I'm not and like the only reason I'm saying I'm present is because like I can see the damage that I've done the next day like whoa mm. Like, I clearly was, like, fighting demons here, you know, like, literally and figuratively. Like, I was rocking, you know, like, mm -hmm. it almost, it's a fight or flight. And I think it's a combination of both. Like, I'm flighting mm -hmm. because I'm, like, not in my, one, not in my sober senses, quite literally, because I'm drunk. But also, mm -hmm. like, I just feel like when you black out, it's, a part of you that's shielding another part of you that feels yeah. like it needs to be, you know, protected. Yeah. And, you know, that that in, in and of itself is a flight, 
you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, your, your, maybe your alter ego, whatever is like, here, come here, brothers. I'm going to hold you and I'm going to mm-hmm. protect you from this. But at the same time, it's fight because I'm really dishing it out, you know, and I'm, I have so many scars to prove it because, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm fucking my pretty face up, you know, I, I, you know, and it's that for me. And it's for me, what I know the most is like, once I enter into that kind of mindset, honestly, I could possibly get killed because Mm. that's how far it can go. You know, like Mm. I'm not, I'm not able to stop myself. You know, in fact, the one time I remember being so angry while drunk and I remember there being a part of me like, dude, we see now we're like relax and I was mm-hmm. like nah go harder and I just couldn't stop myself you know and there's like parts of me like blacking out and then like coming into the it's like back into myself and realizing what I'm doing I'm like no dude relax and then they're like nope pulling and then you know I'd go back into myself like it's just yeah, yeah. and I think that's another thing where I'm like I also really want to kind of and I can do without alcohol it's just I, does it mean that I actually need to be at a stage where I don't drink at all? Um, maybe something I haven't discovered, you know. Maybe, but you know, on the topic of substances, I also find that some substances can actually be a gateway to healing. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, psychedelics. I stand. <laughs> <laughs> I stand personally. Yeah. And I, I, I. I say I advocate for them, but I probably shouldn't say that in public. But you know I what? For, Oh no, yeah. no, no, please say what you were gonna say. I was gonna say, you know what? Like I advocate for them, but I advocate for them for myself. I will yes. talk about I was just about to I say will, that, yes. Yeah, like for I me. will talk about it. I will talk about my journey, I will talk about my process, yes. I will talk about yes. what is done for me, but I will also talk about all of the other stuff. Like what you said when you were like, you know when I was going to talk about meditation, you didn't think that I would say scared, right? Mm. But like, Mm. I will tell you, I will tell you the horrible things that have happened. And I'll also tell Mm. you the amazing things that have happened because that is life. There is no, when, when, you know, when you're going to sell somebody just the positive thing, you're just use, you're just selling them the escape. You're just like, run away and come to this utopia. The utopia is that balance. The utopia mm. is that. That's why we're waiting for the perfect moment, right? That's why when they say the Big Bang, right? The Big Bang was literally, it had to be perfection. Mathematically, mm. it had to be perfection in order to create this, right? When you think about um, biology and you think about the egg, when it separates and then there's mutations, like those are the kinds of things that I call perfect, right? The fact that everything is chemically like boom, boom, coming together. Mm right and mm. that can be at rock bottom right rock bottom has its own perfection right yeah right? i i always find that like once i've hit rock bottom damn i'm about to glow <laughs> it's like i i can tell you like every year that i found like i was at my worst trust me at the end of that year i was at my best like i had achieved so much and like i guess that's it like sometimes you just need life to knock you down so you can like almost pull yourself up you know what I mean and there's something a bit liberating about being at the bottom because you know they rock bottom does have a basement but when you're at rock bottom it actually feels like you're in the basement already Mm. um and 
this is not me selling some fake positivity. Like this is me telling you my ultimate, like the true self, like the true cynic that I am. (laughs) I know shit can get worse. And it just, there also comes that kind of freedom with shit being so bad where you're like, fuck it, I actually have nothing to lose at this stage, you know? Um, But going back to like substances and healing, I found that, like like I said, and I'm glad that you said it as well, I fucking advocate for drugs. Like I really, really do. But for myself, um, in no way am I saying, go out and buy dick today. No, please don't refrain from it. And I don't advocate for drugs. But I mean, I'm just using the word loosely because okay. psychedelics can fit in there. I'm not saying go out and buy oh, they do specifically fit in there, but I would only be advocating for the psychedelics. Yeah, specific ones, right, yeah. right, right. But I mean, look, I've tried a lot of things, and I'm like, I've enjoyed them in different ways. I think they've, you know, experienced. I've experienced them in different ways. But what I actually want to like hone in on now, with what ties in with this, was my experience at Rocking the Daisies, the festival. Um, it's a festival that's in Cape Town, mm-hmm. and I went for the first time in 2018 with a friend of mine. 2018 it was a one of the worst years of my life another one where it was like really bad you know mm-hmm. uh it was murphy's law anything that could go wrong really did and my friend was like let's go I was like fuck it i have nothing to lose let's go and i think the first night i tried some molly which is md mm-hmm. and then the next day we did shrimps and I have never been so liberated and happy in my entire goddamn life <laughs> than i was on those nights like it was just pure euphoria. And what I think for me stood out the most the night that I was on the Mali was just how much I wanted to be alone. And I was having such a great ass time. Like mm. I kept walking away from my friends, not like in a reclusive way, but I'd be like, be right back guys, you know, and I'd be mm. out and I was just roaming around and just enjoying everything. And I was just so attuned to everything and I could feel and it reminded me a bit like meditation which I love when I can kind of experience an out-of-body experience I Mm -hmm. love OBEs and that's what it felt like that night like I could feel every single atom in my body and you know every iota of my skin and you know I could feel and see everything and it wasn't like in that trippy way that you see in movies like no like I was so in tune with what was happening and like, I just, I don't know if I'm exaggerating, but I feel like there was a third eye that opened because even my friends that I kept leaving, I would find them mm-hmm. no matter where they went. And they were like, how do you keep finding us? I'm like, I'm attuned to me and I'm attuned to you right now. And I'm just, there was so much energy being channeled through me and in the best way possible. Like I was extremely happy. And the next day, my friend and I then did the shrooms and it's so funny when I recall that story because we sat together the whole day and like we tripped together and we were on completely two different roller coasters, you know? And whereas I was so at peace mm-hmm. and so happy and like just appreciative and grateful. I remember just feeling extreme gratitude, you know? And so the Mali gave me a lot of liberation and freedom and like, you know, just just go out and be free and happy and live your life. This made me like kind of chilled and just wanted to chill and watch the grass talk to and like the trees talk to each other. And there was this 
one tree and it like had this beautiful story it was this, this couple of trees like a literal couple of trees two trees but they actually were a couple wow. that's the story they were telling me like and you know you could tell that this female tree was you know the one that held it together for them and I I know how I might sound crazy to a sober person listening to this but it really was a story that I watched evolve on this tree you could see that this one tree was really tired and wanted to end but you can actually like see the trees supporting each other. And mm. you watch the grass, like just dance. And there were these flowers like dancing, like it reminded me of children after school when the bells just rang and they're waiting for the transport and they're like probably in kindergarten, they're just having a really good time. Mm. And it just made me so appreciative and so grateful and be like, actually, we're just not the only things here. You know, you mm. learn about like photosynthesis and hey, plants are alive. And, but to like watch them live, I that experience for me was, and I think after that weekend, I was such a changed person. Like mm. I was so at peace and I was so happy and I was so free. And you know that, and the only thing that concerns me about those kind of experiences is that that's for certain people could be when, especially when you're just going for that escapism. Mm-hmm. that it becomes a bit scary that you're going to keep chasing that high because believe you me, you'll never experience a high like that again. Your first high is always going to be the best and in any kind of... Yeah, you know, and I think, yeah. And I think that like, you know, the highs are, di- the highs are always different. <laughs> mm. The highs are always different. For me, I cannot tell you that like this one was the same as this one. It was the same as that mm. one. It was the same as this one. Even if it's the exact same, uh, you know, psychedelic, it would it was right. never going to be the same. And right, I feel like in what you're saying, like you were able to see, you know, the 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 plants living. I feel like when I'm on psychedelics, and the turning point for me was when. Um, you know, we had, um, um, we had <laughs> Sam and I are crazy. So we had filled our living room with balloons. So we'd blown yeah. up like 200 and something balloons. And then we'd laid like our cozy blankets on the floor and kind of made a fort so that the balloons were like in this trapped space and we lay in them. And so we started like playing with them. And what that really reminded me of is like the fact that, or at least this idea that even right now, like I'm sitting, it looks like I'm sitting, right? It looks like I could be still, but I'm swimming. We're constantly yeah. swimming in this oxygen. We call it oxygen. But if you look at the birds and the way that they glide, like though that balloon experience just brought me back to that and was like, I'm swinging, I'm swimming. I'm constantly in this thing, this like thing that I can't really see, but I can feel it because I can feel it when it's cooler. I can feel it when it's hotter right? I can feel it when it's touching somewhere where it shouldn't be or whatever the case yeah. is, right? But it's so nuanced and it's like to realize that and then to also come back and be like, wow, you know? And for me, it's like, yeah. Oh, it's mind blowing. Like those little things are fascinating for you. Like, oh my God. And I think for me, that really opens up a gate right and like think of how you felt after that like and not immediately after like even maybe the the day after Mm -mm. and how much you felt like it had opened 
a part of you that was closed you know what I mean a part of you didn't even know was there yeah and that's where I feel like there's a healing component to it not that I'm healing from a specific traumatic moment like, oh okay I fell in a bathtub of water when I was eight and I've done shrooms today so woo, that's completely eradicated that like no but there is that kind of liberation and I think that anytime you feel liberated shows that you were actually hindered in some kind of way mm. um ways that you may or may not be able to articulate or understand and freeing yourself is a form of healing in mm. any sense of the way like of the word um and I just I truly 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 enjoy that kind of experience um, I'm so keen to go do shrooms in a botanical garden and just watch the plants do their thing again mm-hmm. because that was like an invaluable experience. I, I just I just came out of that different, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> I love it. Like mm, I want to do some shrooms right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's life changing. It honestly is, and I do. You know, I do very much believe that um, it's a case by case situation, right, for people. Mm. And I want to really emphasize, not you know, specifically for you, but for you know anybody who happens upon listening to this podcast, right? right? Like, I really want to emphasize that, like, this is your um, journey. This is your mm. accountability, right? This is your choices. Right. And like Mm. you, you, you shouldn't for whatever reason, and sometimes it does happen, but you shouldn't for whatever reason, project me to be this expert on this thing. You have to figure it out on your own. You have to get there for yourself. It is your process just as much as you're listening to my process. And it might inspire you. It might influence you. It might make you think a little bit differently, but it is still your accountability to go through this process, to live your life right Mm, and to live life mm. for you to live it the way that you want to live it so that you know when you have made these choices you're not like oh but I thought and the thing I was taking it from somebody else no 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 you've come back and built that foundation for yourself to say yes that was a crappy decision and I stand in it because I was there I was conscious for that decision I made Mm. that decision accountability exactly and like I wasn't just carried away Mm. accountability is like absolutely essential and necessary and like also knowing what is what may or may not work for you right Mm. so in as much as like trying on something like even if you're trying out a doobie for the first time you're trying out a joint like I can't tell you how many times I've landed in trouble for ignoring my intuition and your intuition is never really wrong it's like Mm. it's really never wrong and you know if something feels right and something doesn't feel right so in as much as with certain things that we've been discussing today, like go on that yoga trip or go to that meditation class or go on that hike. And because there would never be a perfect time, Mm. but there is an appropriate time. Mm. So don't be like, oh, there'll never be a perfect time. Let me go on this hike. But meanwhile, you know, you were rocking until 6 6 a.m. yesterday with Jaeger bombs. Like Mm. you, you will regret that highly, you know? So it's also about being intuitive and like making the best decisions. Don't be impulsive in yeah. the sake of there'll never be a perfect time. That's 
correct they really won't but there is an appropriate time and you need to kind of assess yourself and no one knows you better than anyone else so even advice that you may take you know or whatever and like I was saying with like my shrimp trip my friend had a terrible experience and she was like I'm never doing this again I was like great can I have yours your leftovers you know it's it's about knowing yourself and being like okay cool I've, I, I need to take a step back from yeah. this you know um but yeah and yeah yeah I like that I like that that was awesome I like right yeah I like this it's like group healing um which is another whoa that could be another chat of its own you know you talk about like group healing group therapy I think like yeah it's unfortunate that we kind of grow in the the environments that we do I think that our parents do the best that they can with the resources and the knowledge that they do but I'm like damn I wish y'all would work just a bit more self-improvement you know like if we sat down as like doesn't even have to be the whole family like even if it's just you and your mom and be like dude we actually have our own healing to do you know and um and I think that that you know and that's I think my biggest challenge at this moment like and I mentioned it earlier knowing that my healing is mine but also knowing like when when is it time to be cognizant enough to know that sometimes people are projecting on you mm. and not letting that hurt you you know because yeah. so many times things will happen at home and I'll go back and I'll tell my therapist and I'm like ah and I'll be like really upset and really frustrated you know and uh, articulate to her as honestly as possible how I feel about a certain thing and she'll say but you shouldn't let X X person gets you in this way you need to know how to distance yourself and I'm like one easier said than done mm-hmm. and two I'll be like yeah you're right I'm gonna I'm gonna take yeah next time I'm not gonna allow that like and then next time is literally two hours later and you're allowing it and then you're mad at yourself you know so I think that for me right now is my biggest challenge when it comes to healing like taking full ownership of my like I take full ownership of my healing and be like okay my healing is my work to do yeah but it's the it's the dissonance and knowing that like not letting other people's hurt interfere with my healing Mm. because I always feel like I'll take 10 steps ahead and then 20 back yeah and right now my best way uh, my best approach is I just kind of cut those people out I'm just like Mm. I don't want to talk to you Mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like for how long can you cut someone out of your life for and some happens. people you definitely can mm. some people like you like like an ex-partner or an ex-friend or an ex-colleague or your mom your dad your uncle your cousin your sister your brother not so much mm. <laughs> you know and it's that balance and I think that even us as people carry so much anger towards each other and we don't actually realize how much 
a lot. And I fully agree with you. And I feel like, you know, I'm really happy that I turned out to be the person that I am because in, you know, in my own way, I was always challenging people. I was always, I think, mm. I would, I think, I think for me in the way that I saw kind of the dynamic that we were raised in, I was always allowed to like challenge and ask and like, you know, mm. to like be asking these really weird questions. Right. And like, I feel like in that access and that opportunity, um, it allowed me to even challenge the type of relationship that I had with my parents eventually. Mm. Right. Mm. And so like, even now, actually, so this episode is going to come out after the other one that I'm going to uh, record with my friend about moms and our relationship with our moms and mm. our relationship to like being daughters, for example. And I was saying to her, I was like, you know, uh, what sparked it for me was talking to uh, my mom. And uh, I was talking to her about like marriage and stuff like that. And I, you know, I was telling her that I don't want to get married again, um, but I do want to do, you know, all of the like traditional things, um, blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, And how do I get to that? And what are the nuances of that? And then, you know, we were kind of frankly talking about the way that we relate to other people. And I noticed in that moment that a lot of the times when I was talking to my mom, I was trying to because as a child, when you're growing up in a household and you see your parents, you feel like you're the camera, right? And you're like documenting whatever is happening in front of you and that you're going to direct the actors to act differently, right? And that you can do that. And so I feel like I've spent a lot of my life and relationship with my mom like, oh, no, you're wrong. Let me actually tell you how you should have lived. Let me tell you what you should have done. Let me tell you how you could have been better, right? And kind of trying to convince her that um, I can somehow help her to be different, to be better, to be happier, to be this, to be that, right? Can Mm -hmm. I? Are there things that I can do? 100%. But I think that that was my intention. And the moment in that conversation, I noticed my intention because we were talking about, you know, I, like what you said, I cut people off right? I'm really good at that. And I think that's also what helped me move all the way to Vancouver, (laughs) right? From South Africa. I'm really good at compartmentalizing. If I have got to cut you out, I've got it. Yeah. I'm great at that. That is 100% me. And that can be a great Lucky like I've never known you. Exactly. And that can be a great tool, but it can also be to our detriment. And like you're saying, you know, how can you do that with your mom and people that are close to you? I mean, you can if the situations are leading to there, you know, but I don't Mm. want to. I don't want to have that relationship. And so I needed to take accountability of my intention and how I was projecting on her just in her Mm. role as mom. I think a lot of the times, you know, and this is a cycle that happens as kids get older is that for me, I don't, I see my mom as my mom, but as I get older, I'm noticing how complex living and growing and adulting is. And And how human they are, right? Exactly. And I'm then able to be like, wait a minute (laughs) this person is not a god right and thank goodness that they're not a god right or like they're not this perfect thing right Mm. because because then perfection would be fucked up right because they have flaws Mm. right and so um i started to realize that like i'm not gonna ever convince her to do or see things the way that i want her to see them especially if they're about her and her life. And so I had Mm. to step myself 
out of trying to be in her life to be that kind of voice of reason and just come at it from being like, this is what's happening in my life. This is how I do things, you know, and then we can have that conversation. And I don't and that's know, part of your healing. That, exactly. The second you realize that you can't control, especially like the parents' dynamics, and mm. you know what I mean when I say the mm. parent dynamics, mm-hmm. um, a lot of your like your, your 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 trauma and your 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 pain and stuff like the second that you're able to take a step back and be like I and I feel like that was me when I went to Cape Town I felt so liberated like I was like I know it makes you sound like a shit person sorry family no, it doesn't make you sound like but like I really I like that I was like I need cool no I'm not there and you know I, I'm it hurts it hurts to be so far away because I want to be there and I want to give you my but at the same time it I can't focus on me, you know, and that's like one of the things that I've been struggling with since I moved back to Joburg. Like it's family, it's friends, it's work. And I feel like I'm spread so thin that like when it's time to sit with me and I love being alone, I'm just like, no, let me call someone. Like, it just feels weird to spend time on me and stuff. And that's why I'm like really trying to prioritize. And that's why I think that me requesting this podcast is, one of the many things that I'm doing to intentionally heal, you know, um, and it's in different ways and healing for me also means self-improvement. So I've, tomorrow I'm going to be three weeks tobacco free. <laughs> oh, <Okay, me. laughs> Sprinkle it, sprinkle it, sprinkle it. So that's another part of me. I just, I kind of left my relationship before I left my relationship. I had articulated to my ex, like, Hey, you know, I actually think like this is the year where I want to quit smoking. Cause if I'm being honest, I started smoking out of rebellion. Like I just was a rebel without a cause. I was just doing whatever the fuck I wanted to do. And the same way that you had that room to challenge your parents, even as a kid, I had the say, and like, you mm. know me, yeah, it wasn't just my parents. It was all adults. I just, I, I didn't understand the concept of you are a child, you will do as I say, and I will speak to you in any way and treat you in any way because you are a child. I demanded respect as a human more than anything. And like, that's one thing my mom will tell you, like someone will be like to my mom, oh, your child's disrespectful. She'll be like, how the hell did you address her? Because I know my kid, she she disrespects you if you disrespected her, you know what I mean? She's not just going to, I mean, there's that general, when you come into a room, into Aldous, San Bonani, you know, you you have a respectful manner and a tone, but it's yeah. not that it's going to be a blanket application where you get to speak to me like dirt just for the sake of our age gap. I can't help what year I was born in. Yeah. You know? um, but even that, I feel like I for whatever reason I decided to be a rebel in my teen years and pick up smoking and like it actually then became very serious because then I couldn't stop and I told my my ex just before you know the relationship ended I was like I really want to stop and I was struggling and I moved out and I just stopped I I didn't even think about it Mm. and I think I was subconsciously thinking about it I wasn't consciously thinking about it but yeah I just one day I realized, oh shit, it's been eight days I haven't smoked. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. I'm too broke to buy cigarettes anyway. Okay, cool. Whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm moving into a new place. Like 
do I buy myself a cutlery set <laughs> or do I buy myself a box of cigarettes? I'm going to go with the cutlery set. You know what I mean? And I think it's, it's one of those things I feel, even though 2020 was a disaster and a shit year, I do feel like 2021 is 2020.2. But one thing I do really admire about myself is my willpower. And I just feel like I've just gotten to this mentality. I'm like, no, screw that. I'm going to make this a good year for myself. Come hell the high water. I'm not going to take all everyone's problems and make them mine. There are so many things that are going wrong in my personal life, my family's life, you know, mm. and I, I just need everyone to take care of themselves so I can take care of me. And once I can take care of better care of me and make sure that I'm sitting at at least 80% capacity with your water bottle, like fill my water bottle, then I'll be able to sprinkle around and water everyone else. But I can't water anyone if I'm empty. And yeah. right now I, I was sitting on empty. I was really, I was not okay. Time again, when I feel like I need to reheal. Because mm. I feel like 2016 was a year of healing for me, you know, or 2015, 2016, 2016. It was a year of healing. And so it was 2018. And it's like almost every two years, my life falls apart. But then I kind of pick it up and put myself back together again. And don't worry the amount of quotables that are in here i'm gonna be quoting you so much in the in the instagram stuff that i'm gonna create for this um but thank you uh i think this is oh it's been a it's been i loved it it's been an absolutely great episode. So thank you. And I think that you left folks with a really good takeaway there, right? Like it's about building. It's a process and it's got its cyclical nature as well. So mm. I know you said that, you know, you've deleted your socials. I usually ask my guests to uh, let folks know where they can get in touch with them. If you want people to get in touch with you, if you don't also, that's your business, whatever. Um, and then okay boo okay and then um yeah then we'll kind of just wrap it up but this has been epic thank you so much for having me i'm really excited to listen to this um us talking crap um which is what we've been doing for years right yeah. this is what we've been, been doing, doing for since years. we were born like we just kind of fall into some idea someone comes up with an idea we fall into it together we'll see at the end whether it ends well or not this ended well <laughs> this wasn't like a mud situation which didn't end well this was a good ending <laughs> this was a very good ending this was yeah really i'm jumping into the mud with you it's great we're gonna walk down the road together and this time everyone's whether they laugh or not we're gonna hold our heads up high Exactly. And I really feel that about this because I feel like a lot of what we spoke about is very uh, sensitive still. And I yeah. know that, you know, some people might listen to this who no, 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 no us. You know what I no, mean? No, no, no. Like, no, mm. no, no us. You know what I mean? And I feel like for me, this is liberating. It's like, you know, for the first time ever, because even as we were talking, I was saying to myself, like, oh, should I say that? Oh, but what if my mom hears this? Oh, but what if you hear? What if they hear it, baby? Huh? I'm about to be 20 now. You can't hold The scariest me. thing is like realizing that I'm turning 27 and this was the age my mom had me at. And I'm like, fucking searching my apartment for roaches. Like, damn, I don't have any weed left. And she had kids. Like, what? <laughs> 
Wild. Well, but thank you so much for having me. It's been such a real, real, real pleasure. And the pleasure was honestly all mine. I hope that you folks have enjoyed listening to that conversation. I enjoyed listening to it while I was editing. And if you have any comments or feedback or questions, feel free to um, reach out on Instagram, send us a DM at the underscore bees underscore wax. And I will be tagging Tabby on her socials so you can reach out to her as well if you have any questions. But I will see y'all next week. You will hear me (laughs) next week, Monday. Take care. Have a great week and enjoy the sun. Bye.